thank you so much for checking out the Connect Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged and inspired by this week's sermon. So let's jump right in and check out this week's message. Our team this morning for a wonderful job. Hey, didn't they do good? Hey, welcome to Connect Church this morning. Uh, if you were here last week, I was not at the bottom of the hill today, okay? So you are, you are safe and good. Last week, I, I kind of played the part of a, a homeless person down at the bottom of the hill. I got to thinking this week, this would be the smartest Sunday to ever sit at the bottom of that hill. You would have hundreds of cars that would stop and be a part. But listen, what God did through the message of Matthew 25 last week has been has been pretty incredible. Uh, the feedback just from you guys, the text and the emails of how you engage the least of these, the Matthew 25s you encountered, has really been overwhelming uh, this week. And I'm sure my mom would want you to know that she didn't stop down there last week. But she drove all the way up the hill, found a couple walking into church, and said, hey, listen, can you go down there and help that homeless woman? She needs something to eat. She called me a woman. Anyway... Uh, very impactful week uh, this past week. In fact, I-, I love this text that I got from one of our church members. Uh, he called me. I was at staff retreat this past week, and he called me and said, Hey, listen, I-, I thought I saw you down at Publix. And here was the ensuing text. He said, I thought I saw you at the corner of Publix, but it was just the Matthew 25 sitting there. His name was Daniel, and he was sitting there with his dog, Zero. And so I brought him a sandwich, and I told him I saw him, that I saw him. And then he goes on to tell me how he began to talk about the love of God with him. That's that's what it looks like to love the very least of these. And so last Sunday was so good, and, uh, and by the way, I hope you'll join us on this weight loss challenge. You know, you might be asking yourself, Pastor, why... Why are you joining this? Why would you even need this? Uh, here's the re- this is a recent photo of my wife. And as you can tell, she's morbidly obese. And so what I'm doing is this just for her. I want her to live, right? Like I want her to live. And so we've hopped into this together. And we're going to be doing this weight loss challenge for the next 12 weeks. Not all heroes wear capes. And so I'm jumping in in order to save my wife's life. And I hope you guys will do that. And just a warning... If I preach pretty angry the next couple weeks, you know why, okay? Uh, There's not a whole lot of sugar in my life, and I need that. And so I hope you guys uh, will do that. This morning, and I don't do this often. In fact, this is one of the only times I've done this at Connect Church. But, man, I've really felt overwhelmed to change the direction of my message this morning. So much so that I would spend 12 hours this week on a message about the prodigal son, only to push that off to next week and to come in here in early morning to change everything today. And so my prayer is that God will use this in your heart and your life today. In fact, it's back in Matthew chapter 25 where we were last week in the story of the least of these. Now last week we focused in on the sheep, meaning you the believer loving the least of these, not necessarily judgment by God, but the designation of those who go unseen, who go unnoticed or unloved or cared for by the church. But there was a part of that passage I I didn't read. So if you have your Bibles, let's open it to Matthew 25. And as you do, I want you to know this, that today I've got some good news and I got some bad news. Now, I don't know if you're anything like me, 
But when I get that kind of proposition, when I get that question, I always go bad news first. Anybody else bad news first kind of people here? Man, I want the bad news so maybe hopefully the, the good news can redeem it in some way. And so today we're going to begin with a little bit of the, the bad news of the text. And here, I want to promise you this. In the case of the text today, the good news, it wins. But here first is the bad news. You ready? Brace yourself. We're all going to die. Barring Jesus coming again at his second coming and us meeting him in the air, guys, the bad news is we are all going to die. In fact, Scripture reminds us of this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed unto man once to die, but after this, the judgment. On January 9th, America woke to the news of America's dad as he was so designated, dying. Now, I loved him. He was the dad on Full House, and, and he would subsequently in his career be the host of America's Funniest Home Videos. Bob Saget would die at the age of 35. But I want you to watch something here. At 3.42 in the morning, the day of his death, he tweeted this, a picture of himself in Jacksonville at a concert hall. And he writes, appreciative audience, thanks again to Tim Wilkins for opening I had no idea I did a two-hour set tonight. I'm happily addicted again to this. Check out bobsaget.com for my dates in 2022. Within 12 hours of that post, looking forward to the entirety of his dates in 2022, Bob Saget would die. He had no idea it was, it was coming. At 65, he was in good health and had a year of appearances today. Within 12 hours of that post, America's dad would die. I read an article of all places. If you're anywhere familiar with uh, social media, uh, a site called the Babylon Bee, which is a satire site, who on that day was serious. And I want you to listen to what one author wrote. He said this, but there's something dreadfully wrong with our tendency. He's speaking about Bob Sackett's death. With our tendency to ignore the one thing we're all guaranteed. You say, well, what are we guaranteed? P uh, death and taxes, right? But surely we're smart enough to know that there are plenty of people who find a way to avoid paying taxes. But the former, death has a flawless track record with its competition with humanity, except for that one man in Nazareth, of course. And he says this, this author, wouldn't it be wise of us, in the course of making our plans for the future, to spend a, a bit of time making plans for our eternal future? You see, Bob didn't know he didn't know he was going to die. In fact, just a couple of weeks earlier, upon the news of Betty White dying, Bob Sackett, he tweeted this, I don't know what happens when we die, but if Betty gets to, says you get to be with the love of your life, then I'll happily defer to Betty on this. 
And in that post, he wondered, he says, I, I don't know if there is an afterlife or not. I don't, I don't know what happens when a person dies. And he just kind of rambled through this. You know what I got to thinking? Oh, how I wish I had the chance and the opportunity to let Bob know, hey, th there is an afterlife. Hey, better yet, there's eternal life here and now in Jesus. And so I want to say to you in light of Matthew 25, just as much as we offer a meal or meet the need or hear the story of the least of these, we must equally be led to lead the lost to Jesus. To lead the lost to Jesus. Now, without question, some of you may be here today or listening online. And the reason you left the church years ago, because you couldn't stand the hellfire, damnation, and brimstone messages that you heard in the pulpit you had growing up. And here we are. Speaking of hell today. But I want you to hear me. This message is not about hellfire and brimstone. Rather it is of hope and belief. Now imagine with me. You go to your doctor. You've been experiencing some pain. And, and just you know something's wrong. And your doctor comes to you and says, Hey listen, your pain, your sense of something is wrong has been caused by a cancer that's been set up in your body. Many of you have heard that news before. And then he goes on to tell you that it's spreading. And all of a sudden, this doctor looks at you and says, but you know what? We, we don't have to talk about it again. I, I don't want to offend you. I don't, I don't want to hurt your feelings. I, I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be un uncomfortable in any way. So you know what? Let's just forget about it. Let's not talk about it. You sitting in that doctor's office go, no, wait a second. That's not a good doctor. Something is killing me. And I want to know what it is. I want to hear all about it. And I need to know, is there a, a cure? Because I want to live. The same is true here. Sin is a cancer inside of each of us. The bad news is, hate to break it to you, we all got it. We've all got it. And if left alone, if just covered over, that sin, that cancer will kill every single one of us spiritually. But the good news today is that there is a cure. The cure, His name is Jesus. And here's the truth of the gospel. In Him we live. In Him we live. Charles Spurgeon once said this. Now this is lofty language in a bygone era. And so listen carefully. He says, there's an essential difference between the deceased of the godly and the death of the ungodly. Death comes to the ungodly man as a penal infliction or a punitive or a punishment. But to the righteous, it comes as a summons 
to his father's palace. To the sinner, it is an execution. To the saint, an undressing from his sins and his infirmities. Death to the wicked is the king of terrors. Death to the saint is the end of all terrors. The commencement of glory. The commencement of glory. In the same context, in chapter of the least of these passages, in Matthew 25, in the context of this final judgment and Jesus' reign here on earth, we, we read a little something harder to swallow than what we had last week. And that is Matthew 25, 40. Take a look in your Bibles. And then the king will reply, we love this. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. But watch this in verse 41. Here in verse 40, he's speaking of the sheep. And now his attention turns to the goats. And I want us to notice a couple of things. Then he will say to those on his left, the sheep are on his right, to those on his left, the goats, depart from me, you who are cursed. Cursed by what? By sin and death into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. What a heartbreaking thought. What a, what a terrifying reality that people die and enter eternity without Jesus. I want you to notice something here in the text. Watch this. Depart from me, you who are cursed. Cursed by what? Sin and death. Into the eternal fire. Watch this, this phrasing. Prepared for who? Not, not you and, and not me. Not humanity. But for the devil and the devil and his angels. The devil and his angels. I, I heard one author write it this way. It must break the heart of God to see people made in his image make the deliberate choice to go there. You see, oftentimes, hell is nothing more than a continuation of what a person wanted most in this life. To live their life in their own sin, in their own self, apart from God. You must realize hell is just a continuation of that very reality lived out here on earth. You see, thus we find an eternity apart from Him, apart from His love, apart from His light, apart from Him. And it's heartbreaking because we know of passages like this in 2 Peter 3, 9, that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance and faith in Him. We understand that this is why God sent Jesus to take on all of hell itself in order to save us from an eternity there. Gosh, this good news in the midst of some bad news. I've already said this way as well, that the gates of hell are locked from the inside. For a person to end up there, they practically have to climb over Jesus to get there. You might say, well, Anthony, are you preaching this from a place of, of gloating or superiority? Absolutely not. Although one day I know that I will see things as Jesus sees things. But on this side of heaven, there is no more heartbreaking a thought to me than a person to die without Jesus. 
You see, here's what I understand. That me as a believer is just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. And in our case, Jesus is the bread of life in John 6, 35. Now here's what I know about hell. And here's what Scripture teaches us in just a couple of places. Hey, number one, it's easy to get there. It's easy to get there. Listen to the teaching here, Matthew 7, 13, 14. Jesus would say, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And watch this. Many enter through it. But in verse 14, but small is the gate. Narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Hey, by the way, I, I know the name of that gate. That narrow gate. His name is, is Jesus. But I know this about hell. It's, it's easy to get there. And you know what else I know? That some people are surprised to find themselves there. Look further on. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? then I will tell them plainly. And listen, as a pastor, perhaps the verse that keeps me most awake at night, Jesus saying, then I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. The bad news. We're all going to Bad news is, those who die apart from Christ spend all eternity apart from Him. No, no second chances. No do-overs. In fact, we have cults that exist that claim to be Christianity today because its founders cannot find peace with this truth. But there are no second chances. There are no do-overs. By the way, if you're waiting for your deathbed, you're not promised it. You're not promised a few more conscious moments before you die. Once death has come, your decision has been made. There's some bad news. But I can't leave you there. Because we have good news. You ready? Simply put, People don't have to go there. You don't have to go there. Because there's good news. And I want you to hear me. This message isn't intended to scare the hell out of anybody. Rather, it serves to remind you, to remind us of the salvation that Jesus offers. If you've been around the church or a ball field, you've seen this verse. In light of Matthew chapter 25, how much more beautiful is a passage like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. And we're not just talking about the globe out there floating in space. We're talking about the people that, watch this, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, now watch this phrasing, shall not 
perish. What is he speaking of here? Perish. He's talking about dying the death we find in Matthew 25. And whosoever believes in him doesn't die the death of Matthew 25. But they have eternal life. Hey, listen. There is no question when it comes to truth in the word of God about if there's an afterlife or not. After death, we all go on living. But at what address? Hey, at what address do we continue to live on? If I could have just gotten to Bob and said, buddy, yes, there, there's not only an afterlife, there's eternal life. Here and now, that only Jesus, only Jesus offers. You see, good news is not found in hell, but in hope. Good news is not found in fire, but in faith. Good news is not found in brimstone, but in believing in Christ. Good news is not found in scare tactics, but in salvation that only Jesus can bring. And so, between last week and this week, we know the what of Matthew 25, the judgment of the sheep and the goats. We know the so what, meaning the implications of both. But now what? What do we do to lead the lost? Listen, we talked about loving the least of these last week. But what does it mean to lead the lost to Jesus? If you've got notes or maybe a notepad on your phone, I just want you to write these down. And the church has a tendency to systematize and to program out evangelism so much so that we feel like it's really too hard for anybody to do. But let me tell you how easy it is, how rewarding it is to lead the lost to Jesus. You ready? Number one, initiate the relationship. You, by the way, some of you might say, I don't know anybody who's lost. Go to Walmart. Step out of your house. Go to Christmas with your family. Get out of your home. Initiate the relationship. By the way, that relationship may have already been initiated for years. But create a relationship with lost people. Hey, not just to, in order to convert them and count them as a stat, but to love them as Jesus does. To see their value they have. Initiate the relationship. You ready? Intentionally love and serve them. Intentionally love and serve them. Remember that text I read at the beginning? One of our church members who sat down and shared a sandwich with Daniel. That's intentionally loving and serving. So initiating that relationship. You ready? Now this is for someone you just meet or someone you've known your entire life and everybody in between. Engage them in conversations. And I love talking with people, hearing their story. And as I hear their story, I, I begin to see the, the fault lines and the cracks in their story that sin has brought in. And you know what I do? I, I find those cracks in their story and I fill them with Jesus. And just talking about how he can he can love and make it through. How he can meet 
those needs in their lives. And so you engage them in conversations. And here's the deal. When you find the cracks in their lives, the broken places, the dark places in their lives, you ready? Introduce the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. Note I didn't say, quote, the whole gospel of Matthew. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's great value in interpreting and engaging Scripture in these moments. Like Scriptures that I always go to are Romans 3.23. You can write these down. Romans 6.23. Romans 5.8. And Romans 10.13. It's called the Roman Road. But I also have other scriptures I've memorized that I just, I used to fill in the crack. I introduced people to the good news of Jesus. By the way, one of the best ways to introduce the gospel is to share your story about how Jesus has changed your life. How Jesus has met your need. Hey, by the way, can you see how really not lofty this is? That this isn't really too unattainable to do. That this isn't just reserved for pastors and missionaries. But every person who names the name of Jesus, every child to every senior adult, can have conversations and introduce the gospel, the good news. And then at the end, invite people to follow Jesus. (laughs) Here's what I said. Would you like to... Would you like to give your heart and your life to him? Would you like to follow Jesus? And you know what? Sometimes people say, no, I'm okay. And you pray for him. You continue to initiate that relationship and love and serve them and have conversations with them and introduce the gospel in their broken places and dark places. And, and you know what? Invite them again. Some people say, No. Some people say, you know what, I I need to think about it. Let them. And then some people say yes. Anthony, what if they say yes? (laughs) What do I do? Do I call my pastor and say, you need to get here right away? Absolutely not. At the end of every service, if you remain awake, at the end of every service, I pray out loud. The very prayer I invite people to pray when they're ready to place their faith and trust in Jesus. I don't just do it because every time a group gathers, I'm going to give the gospel. I do it as a discipleship tool so that when someone that you invite to follow Jesus says yes, you can help lead them to faith and trust in Him. Can I just give you a, a warning? Don't complicate it. Initiate relationships. Intentionally love and serve people. Engage them in conversations. By the way, all of us can do this and do this. Introduce the gospel in the broken and the dark places. And invite them to follow Jesus. Let, Let me ask you this. Honestly, when was the last time you invited somebody to follow Jesus? Man, if it's been a long time, there's not really been a time. Guys, I, I am telling you, you are missing out on one of the greatest joys of all in your faith in Jesus Christ. Because remember this, as the song has now coined, but a statement of old, man, I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about a somebody who can save anybody. 
And at the end of the day, it's the greatest joy. General Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, told the story of a man leaving Australia who had been working in the gold fields, had discovery after discovery, and now acquired a fortune. He was on a ship when that ship began to go down. Because regulations were not much back then, all the lifeboats were lost. The people aboard that ship were without hope. And then a the strong, rich man went to the side of that vessel and thought to himself, I, I can fight these waves and I can swim to that land that I see in the distance. And as he was doing that, he was ready to jump into the water. A little girl whose mother had been lost in the storm tugged on his coat and said, Sir, can you save me? You see, he thought he was strong enough to take what gold he had with him on that ship with him and that he could swim. But he took all the gold that he had. He threw it down. Took the little girl, put her on his back. And he jumped into the water. He struggled with the waves, the story goes, and... His life was almost gone when he finally had reached the shore. By whatever series of events, he lost consciousness by the time he got to the land. And on the next day when he regained this consciousness, the little girl put, his, put her arms around his neck, kissed his cheek, and she said, Sir, I'm so glad you saved me. And he said this, that that moment... Saving that little girl was worth all the gold in Australia. Hey, can I tell you what is worth more than all the wealth and the fame and the fortune, the business success in this life is knowing that you were used of God. You were used of God to help Him save someone. From their sins. And from that Matthew 25 verse 40 type of moment in their lives. I want to close with this quote. I've already uh, quoted him in the message, Charles Spurgeon. One of my favorite pastors from a generation ago. But listen to what he said. Again, mind you, he wrote in a different time. and Language was a little loftier. But listen to what he said. If sinners be damned. At least let them leap to hell over our bodies. If they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees. Let no one go there unwarned and unprayed for. The winner of souls must first be a weeper of souls. Hey, believer, when was the last time you wept for someone who didn't know Jesus. When was the last time it broke your heart over those who don't know Him? You see, winners of souls must first be weepers of souls. And you know what? We are called of Christ not just to love the least of these, but to lead the lost to Jesus. Let's pray together, can we?
Thank you again for checking out our podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you can stay up to date on our services. If you'd like to give to support our ministry, you can do that at our website. That's connectchurchpf.com. Hope you enjoyed and have a great week.